What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly podcast. We are your hosts, Nate and John. No Brandon today. He's here in spirit. Maybe manana. John, today, though, Mm -hmm. we are going to recap our UFC fight night from this past Saturday, which was main evented by Brendan Allen and Andre Muniz. So if you didn't watch it, spoiler alert. (laughs) We'll talk about what happened to the main event. Later on, then we will get you set up with our picks and predictions for this coming Saturday's UFC Fight Night. This card is stacked. UFC 285, the return of the GOAT, Johnny Bones Jones. And he will be taking on Bon Gamin, Cyril Gon, for the heavyweight title. Also, the queen, Valentina Shevchenko, puts her title on the line against Alexa Garasso and so much more. We're picking for a lot. Mm -hmm. But the way fights are falling off, we need some points. We need to get the points rolling. Um, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. But man. also, the return of the fight pantry. Haven't done yeah. a fight pantry in a while. Um, and today we will be opening it up to the country of France. France. Mm. In honor of Cyril Gone. We're not talking French fries. That's right. Uh, the treat we will be tasting this week is the French snack, Gavoutes Biscuits. Mm. And finally, and per usual, all the news and happenings in and around the world that makes martial arts more. But first, John. What is up? Man, just um, like I was saying when you were even bringing up this card that we're about to talk about for uh, next weekend, um, it's here. You know, you you spend so long. With some of these fights we've had this year, you spend so long where it's like, that's not going to happen. And then this year, these these fights are happening that, you know, were just rumors last year. So yeah. Well, just, just John Jones coming back in itself is, you know, crazy. And then the matchup itself is wild. and The circumstances yeah. on how we get to that as a title fight. Oh, absolutely. We'll get to that fight here in a minute. Um, as we mentioned, no Brandito this mm-hmm. week. Brandon um, just has some, like, family stuff going on um, that's, you know, kind of been pulling him away. I, not really pulling him away. What's the word? Just had him really occupied. Mm-hmm. Occupado. Yeah, busy over the weekend. So uh, we're thinking and praying for him and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, not, nothing, you know, real serious, but, you know, definitely things that, that need to be dealt with and stuff. And, and Brandon's, uh, he's been a good family member yeah. in helping his family in this time. So good for him. He will be back. Uh, we will get his picks. Um, you know, we usually like saying, sorry, Miley's picking your my dog's right. gonna make your picks or something. But uh given the circumstances, we we can definitely show Brandon some grace this yeah. week. He's, just he's this got, time. Just this time, maybe. Yeah. His kid's birthday, that ain't an excuse, Mm-mm. boy. No. You gotta be here. <laughs> we, we, we don't care about that. Right. Uh but yeah, look, we've got so much to get to. Uh, I'm concerned about, you know, we've been trying to keep the episodes around an hour. Haven't done the greatest job of it. Gonna try it again today. We'll see how it yeah. goes. So let's get into it. Uh, but before we get into this past Saturday's UFC Fight Night, John, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. All right, people. If you are on Apple Podcasts, we need you to get on there, leave us a review, leave us five stars. It helps us out a lot. If you're on Spotify, you can give us five stars as well. Um, uh, social media, Neon Belly Podcast. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. We're also on YouTube, where we have a lot of stuff going on. So. Uh, definitely challenge people to get on there and, and check us out and give us your opinions. We love to hear what people are thinking and see what people want to hear us talk about. So definitely be sure to go on there and give us some feedback. Absolutely. At Neon Belly Podcast on all of those social medias, YouTubes, everything. John, 
this last Saturday night, UFC fight night, Vegas something. I don't even know. 70, 70 I, think. I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, our main event, Nikita Kroilov versus Ryan Spann, was canceled. Um, a few fights into this card, uh, due to Kroilov falling ill, apparently it was like a stomach virus or illness, um, Dana White saying. Um, they did everything they could. Kroilov wanted to fight, tried to get the doctor to help, just couldn't get it, get him ready for it, get him up for it. Um, so that fight was canceled. The fight has been rescheduled for March 11th, mm-hmm. um, which if I'm not mistaken, is that the San Hagen Cheeto card? I believe so. I don't know why that sounds like well, maybe that one's the next week. I don't know. Uh, but nonetheless, the fight's rescheduled. Which um, Jan and uh, Marab. There you go. Um, which, hey, that makes that card even stronger. So oh, yeah. cool. I'm, I'm with that. Uh, really emotional Ryan Spann. I don't know if you saw after, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of interviewed him, did it, let him do a little scrum. Uh, that guy seems ready. Yeah, he's ready for a fight. So, uh, g- gets me more excited for this main event. Um, and then even to know Kroilov was like, yeah, I want to go. You know, mm-hmm. even with the stomach illness and stuff, just making a wise call there. So we'll we'll, we'll re uh, uh, what's what's the word? We'll rehash maybe. There you go. We'll rehash this. We'll come back to this yeah. one in a couple weeks. But with that, our co-main event, John, was elevated to the main, mm-hmm. and Brendan <laughs> all in Allen. I mean, going all in here, yeah. living up to the name, defeating Andre Muniz via third Finish round. This. Rear naked choke. Um, I messaged you guys last night as Brendan Allen was walking to the ring and asked if I could change my pick when I saw <laughs> Brendan Allen walking out with the Shafkat Rahmanov hat yeah. on. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Yep, this guy's different. <laughs> Red alert. I need to change my pick. Um, then to see Muniz do the buffer bump, I knew what was coming. Yeah. I mean, the, the hat, the buffer bump, I'm like, this is not going to be a good delivered, night for baby. Muniz. And sheesh, uh, yeah. what a result. Uh, by Brendan Allen here is the odds for him to win by submission were plus 900. Couldn't imagine what that number was in the third round on top of that. I didn't even look that up. Probably crazy numbers. Um, I mean, we discussed it heavily last week, but Andre Muniz is probably the best grappler in this division. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't, wa- if you were watching last night, I mean, um, for the first time, you would think that distinction probably b- belongs to Brendan Allen in this mm-hmm. situation. Uh, Muniz's only real takedown attempt, Allen immediately sweeps him to get on top, uh, which really is nothing new for Brendan Allen. Who I think I mentioned it last week, even um, in our rundown, is uh, for this fight is he has really good sweeps, and he mm-hmm. that's something he you utilizes in every fight so i just didn't really expect to see it utilized at such a high against such a high level of guy mm-hmm. like muniz here um i thought the stand-up early for allen was good but i did think after that first round especially muniz seemed to kind of hold the advantage there mm-hmm. um but i mean i think this was by far uh the best performance that we've seen from brendan allen who will now for sure find himself in the top 15 rankings this week uh your thought on the fight and just the performance overall by brendan Allen allen yeah man i mean you can't have a uh i mean especially it was like a shot clock one too because it seemed like muniz felt really comfortable with him on his back and was kind of just yeah so so until it wasn't um but yeah amazing performance by brendan allen i thought muniz really hurt himself by not letting go yeah i feel like when he was letting go and being aggressive he was yeah. landing some big shots i mean brendan allen gets some big big punches yeah um and a really nice spinning back kick by muniz i think it was in the first or second mm-hmm. round but mm-hmm. uh did not look great off of his back for whatever reason. Yeah. And I mean, all credit to Brendan Allen because to be able to control somebody at that level um, and and never even put yourself in a bad spot, he was just kind of floating on him. His transitions were really well, Um, especially in that first round. He was able to, was it the first or second that he held him? 
uh, the second the round. Second when round. They, when he yeah. Muniz attempted the takedown. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I mean, for Muniz, he, he was looking at a situation to where you know maybe Brendan Allen was a little bit of a fight down. He was he finally got ranked. He'd beat some big guys when you talk about Uriah Hall sure. and stuff like that. And Brendan Allen just took full advantage of this situation. Yeah, you know, I, I'm definitely not, and I do not want to take anything away from Brendan Allen, but something to me just seemed off for Andre mm-hmm. Muniz last night, just from what we've seen uh, thus far from him in the UFC. I mean, I don't know. Did he seem a little flat to you? Yeah. I mean, something, especially from what we're, like I said, just from what I'm used to seeing from him, um, I just felt like some of those positions, especially on the ground, um, he just seemed so content to give up, and I don't know if maybe he just felt comfortable there, but like didn't really see a lot of urgency, right? Mm-hmm. Even on the back, like that whole like sequence. I mean, I it just really, I mean, you know, we have a pretty good grasp, obviously, of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, the jiu-jitsu game in general, um, and just really wasn't doing a lot of things that you're supposed to do to kind of mm-hmm. defend that choke there. I mean, he did, you know, try to address the, the arm across the, the neck and stuff, but just not with any real sense of urgency. Um, or getting up for that matter. Yeah, and then, like Staying I said, and, and, and even on the feet, you know, getting off to the slow start and stuff, you know, I didn't think his footwork looked particularly good. Once again, just in comparison to where we have seen Andre Muniz, it just wasn't mm-hmm. an overall great performance. But once again, not taking anything away from Brendan Allen, who just came out, took full advantage here, right? He got mm-hmm. getting elevated to a main event. Uh, something switched in him where he was just like, I'm just going to take this opportunity and run yeah. with it. Um, and he just, you know, put himself on another level, I think, now. As, like I said, he's going to now enter into those top 15 rankings. And, I mean, in in kind of um, like a counter situation, Brendan Allen was comfortable. He was yeah. talking to him. Yeah. He'd seen, I think it was in the, the first or second round, he seen Muniz go for a kick and he didn't do it. He's like, yeah, go ahead, throw it. He's yeah. you know, telling him that th- certain stuff isn't working. And when you see that, usually that means a guy has really elevated a, a level of comfortable with their stand-up. And that's what he showed. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, with the footwork. You know, one thing I noticed, you know, especially watching Muniz, who's a southpaw, when he faces orthodox guys is, you know, once again, our uh, knowledge on striking is even more limited right uh, in terms of, like the technical stuff but one thing we do know um, is it's that battle right of that lead foot and when you're a southpaw trying to get that lead foot to the outside of the other person's lead foot and it's that battle you're both trying to take and just Muniz was and and with because one thing when I was previewing or getting ready for the watching this fight <clears throat> excuse me is uh, Muniz does that to really set up that left kick where right. you know go and he, he did get some of them off but just without really the footwork there just wasn't much movement. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just really odd to me from from Muniz. But once again, I don't I don't want to go too far down on that because, like I said, this was just a great performance mm-hmm. by Brandon Allen. And so. I think Muniz needed to, to stick to what he did for that first takedown. Yeah. Use the hands to do the level change. After yeah. after that one didn't go so well, he just started like kind of out in the open throwing you know sure. kind of lazy shots, and it just was never going to work. Yeah, but uh, Brandon Allen, you know, he call, said some names there. Chris Curtis, you know, he said he wanted some of these guys back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, hey, he's gonna be right in there. Uh, yeah. Like I said, so um, looks. I also saw somebody four in a row, man. Yeah, it's huge. I, like I said in last week, I was shocked to see that he wasn't ranked. You know, sometimes I don't always check the rankings every single week, but mm-hmm. to see him not ranked uh, was was pretty shocking. So that's that was our main event. Moving on to the co-main, she's back. Tatiana Suarez. Defeating Montana De La Rosa via second round guillotine. John, 
1,358 days since her last fight. And mm-hmm. Tantiana Suarez picks up right where she left off here, immediately getting to the takedowns in this fight uh, and taking it to De La Rosa, gets her down. Um, I think she is one of the very best female fighters in that department, regardless of weight class, in terms mm-hmm. of getting you know takedowns and getting the fight to the ground and just implementing her game. Um, eventually, in the second round, she gets that front headlock position and locks in the guillotine. Um, and uh, you can just see just how strong Tantiana Suarez is being able to hold on to that guillotine the way she did. I mean, that is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Montana De La Rosa did everything she could to get out of that. And, you know, Suarez just refused to uh, let her get her head back, so to that speak. Core, I can't imagine the core strength it takes to hold on yeah. to that as she's lifting oh, up yeah, and posturing. Oh, yeah, to re-crunch and do the things that she did, yeah, just to keep a hold of that. Uh, but I just can't express really how impressive it is to see a comeback after that much time mm-hmm. um, and then to dominate in the way she did. She's legit, man. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if she stays up at flyweight because I do think that Delarosa did a good job of getting up. She said in her post fight, she's not. Oh, she's not. Okay, yeah, yeah that because that, I mean you could kind of see a little bit of like, okay, obviously as strong as Suarez is, mm-hmm. this is a whole nother weight class. But the fact that she's able to do that to a girl above her weight class, good luck at straw weight or is it straw under that under fly? Yeah. So yeah. she yeah. So she said uh, she said she because I I mean when I saw she was coming back at twenty five, I had kind of assumed that um she wasn't um that she was going to stay at 25 Mm -hmm. i didn't think she was going back down um but before she had said it they said on the broadcast that that week the fight week interviews that she had said she was gonna this was just just wants to get one in yeah and that she was going to go back down and then she did say um that she wants to go back down um and wants to get to the title um and for a division that we ranked fourth best in the ufc just a couple weeks ago she definitely makes it even stronger because i can say i had pegged her in for the 25 division right i thought well she's coming back at 25 maybe she's gonna stay up whatever um so she just makes that division even stronger now Mm -hmm. that 115 pound division uh she definitely won't get a title shot but i think a big fight like maybe rose nama Yunus mm-hmm. or carla esparza you know another grappler you know that may be in order for her um you know i could see the argument of maybe taking it slow um but i just think she's lost so much time mm-hmm. you know like she said she wants rose like yeah, to set up a title I mean, shot yeah let's just go i mean she's healthy she's here she passed this first test with flying collars mm-hmm. um and i just think why there's no she looks so good. Like there wasn't, I mean, that's a long, I mean, what was it? Yeah. 2019. Um, just no ring rust came right out. She's I mean, never not been a favorite and she shows why every beast, single man. fight. I mean, I, we've been talking about her probably since we started this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I mean, she hasn't fought. That's the first time yeah. she's done our podcast that she's actually fought, but she's always been kind of been like, a a talking point for yeah. us in terms of like, hey, when she's ready, you gotta watch I out. I thought it was interesting how she was using that collar tie and then the hand over to the other yeah. hip to kind of control her till she got to whatever takedown she sure. wanted to go. You don't see that more. It's usually more just like a tie clincher get him against the cage but that's just how high level she is she's yeah. got to do what she wants her to positional people. awareness i mean and just in holding positions is just so good i mean even that sequence there where she was on her back with no hooks mm-hmm. i mean usually girls or not girl fighters uh get dumped over there you know and mm-hmm. she was like once again that just shows the strength and and just positional awareness to know where she she's is She's a tough match she is man. really really because i mean she her. didn't even get like outclassed on the feet she was just able to get to her wrestling whenever she sure. wanted to to where the striking really wasn't a huge factor but she still used it really well don't want to talk much about it but augusto sakai um he he won his fight against Mays. i'm sorry completely just blanked on on Mays's name um good for him 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a good performance, and uh, I think he was on like a four fight losing streak. So good for him getting back into the win column. Um, but one more result that we have to talk about <laughs> is tre- I'm gonna, you know, he's getting it. Yeah. Trevor P defeating Eric Gonzalez via first round knockout. Shot clock. Four minutes and 59 seconds. Crazy. Ones and twos are not in Trevor Peak's identity no. at all. <laughs> I love this guy. Uh, everything this dude throws is with bad, bad man intentions. Uh, and credit to him as well. You know, Gonzalez was able to take him down a couple times, and he fought his way back up every time. Just and Derek that takes Lewis, heart. Baby. That takes skill. Yeah. He's kind of like that's that. what the commentators were kind of saying. It wasn't even technique that yeah, he was getting I, up. He was just popping You just got to get up, man. Yeah. Uh, sometimes. I mean, you know, we hear it. Jacob, you know. Yeah, he's the embodiment of what the coaches say when they say get up. Yeah, sometimes, you know, I, I've been. And, you know, seen rough positions and, and even in training and Jacob's like, Nate, just get up. Like, I don't want you to use skill. Just get up. Right. right? And he says it to a lot of people like no, t- just sometimes you just got to get up. The explosion, uh, man, man. I don't know what his ceiling will be in the UFC, but I will be watching every time his name comes across in the UFC cage. Um, and with this win, he moves his career to 8-0 and with eight knockouts. And all of those knockouts are in the first round, except for two of them. Yeah. Um, Crazy. I mean, this guy threw more hammer fist standing than he did jabs. <laughs> it was crazy, dude. Uh, I was in here like, what am he I He was getting watching? leg kicks checked and just like still throwing just as hard the next time. Like he's... It's crazy, too, because he was like, you know, like in Dragon Ball Z, which I don't really watch it, but I know what like a Kameha or like when they like right. pull it yeah, back and like they load, load it up. up. Like that was like him. Like it was like a slow wind up. Like you could see it coming and just oh, wow. Yeah, and just like every single, every single thing he landed, you know, it hurts so bad. Yeah, it just throws. Just want to reiterate, though, if you did not see or fight or uh, watch this fight, Trevor Peak, go to ESPN Plus, check this guy out. Um, and let me also say you come for the fight, but you stay for the post fight interview because that was Dude. just such a likable guy, man. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Bisping said in the fighter meetings, they asked him what his first discipline was. He said street fighting. That, that's what it is. Yeah, he just, literally fights like a guy from Tennessee, which he is, who just like gets into like a fight at the Tesco gas station. Do we know who he reminds me of? Like, imagine a Tennessean lightweight Yuri Prohoshka. Yeah, just like this weird type of Crazy. I fight people. That's what I do type of thing. Best haircut in the game. Yeah, <laughs> like. It's like borderline a Lloyd Christmas. Oh yeah, dude. I, I'm every time he's on, he's kind of like the wavy Davy for me. Like yeah. Every time he fights now, uh, yeah, that's what I said. I got, every time I see his name, he, I'm, he's getting watched. He's uh, in the Lonely Heart Boys now. Yeah, Trevor Peak. Go look it up if you didn't see it. I just I had to mention that because I don't think it was on the main card. No. Um, but I wanted that to be something that you know if you're listening and didn't see it that you go seek this guy out because mm-hmm. it was fun. Uh, no Brandon to update us on the scores, but I do believe we all picked Muniz. So no, shouldn't be any two sh- weeks in a row. Yeah, it's of no points from that's, us. That's why you know when I saw. I mean, first off, UFC 285 we're about to get to is so mm-hmm. stacked, so deep, so many opportunities for points here. We could have we went a little bit into the prelims, but we could have went. I mean, there's fights on the early prelims, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, man, we got to get some points going here because we, <laughs> we've been kind of like struggling. I mean, yeah. not us, but like you know, fights have been falling off and stuff like that. So here's the thing: you guys call me out for having weeks where I don't score points, and now we've all hey, done it twice. Somebody, hey, ours are circumstantial. Yours are just bad. I'm picks. Saying, or you could have picked Brendan <laughs> Allen and got points. I'm just yours saying are, that happens. Hey, yours, yours were just bad. You picks. can't tell me it don't happen because it no, just happened twice. Yours were a hundred percent. Lightning just bad doesn't picks. strike twice in the same spot. Well, it does. Look at the main events can't help that Just uh, saying, man. let's get into it though john ufc 285 this saturday from the t-mobile arena in las vegas nevada and before 
we get to our picks and predictions, you know I got a little fun fact it's about like the, it's like the Nevada. <laughs> yeah. so much stuff in Vegas. Oh, that's what I'm saying. We're, we're past Vegas now. I got to look outward. We got to <laughs> right. go to Nevada. Um, I don't even know. Yeah, this is a little. This is this is genuinely like a fun fact. Mm-hmm. If you drive a hundred miles north of Las Vegas, you will find the small town with a population of about fifty people called Rachel, Nevada. Uh, Rachel, Nevada has a small claim to fame and sees quite a bit of tourism annually because it is the closest town to Area 51. Mm. Um, the only operating business in Rachel is the Little Ailey Inn, which is a, like, it's... it's Alien. a ho- Yeah, nice. okay. It's a little uh, 12-room motel with a bar and restaurant. Um, Rachel has never had a post office, and the children have to be bused to a town called Alamo, which is approximately 50 miles away for school. Um, as for the names, Thanks. Rachel was named after the first child ever born in the town, Rachel Jones, who was born February 15th, 1978. That's a lot of pressure. Rachel, Nevada. <laughs> Nice. It, it was it was gonna be a different one, which I'll probably save for next time, which kind of ties into that. But I was like, in doing the other one, I found out about this town, and I'm like, this is just so weird. It's not even technically a town. I can't remember what they call it, but it's like, it's basically an area that they recognize as a population like a of Providence people, or something, kind of. <laughs> but like, they have to do a census report because so yeah. many people, like, there's enough people in that yeah. one area. But I mean, 50, I call it a village at that point. Yeah, right? yeah, like, like fifty. I think they said like. 2020, there was like 48 people there. A couple kids born. Takes it to 50, maybe. I don't know. You don't even have a Dollar General? Like, come <laughs> yeah, on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, let's get into it. UFC 285, our main event. The GOAT is back. Take let's it away. In our main event, we have recent title contender, Surreal Gone versus light heavyweight GOAT, John Jones. Jones, not having fought since 2020, has spent the better part of three years packing on muscle and negotiating a bigger contract with the UFC. As you'll remember, earlier this year in January, around the same time that the UFC officially cut their champion, Francis Ngannou, Jones announced the signing of a new contract and fighting against a man who recently had lost a close fight to Francis in Surreal Gone. Since that loss, Surreal has gone on to defeat challenger Taitu Avasa in Paris and is now in prime position to claim the undisputed title if he can beat one of the greatest fighters of all time. Time. While John Jones is not only looking to be a champion in two different divisions, he's also looking to cement his legacy as the absolute greatest fighter of all time by dominating the heavyweight division, just like he did the light heavyweight division. But the first step of this journey will be what many think will be the toughest opponent for him at heavyweight, and that is Surreal Gone. With a three-year layoff, there's no clear way to know what to expect from Jones, but all he's ever done is win. And based off his recent performance, I think we can expect the best version of Surreal that we've ever seen. What a fight. What a fight, indeed. Uh, picking first will be Brandon, as I believe he was in last place, so he still should be. Brandon is taking Surreal Gone via mm-hmm. unanimous decision. Um, he didn't send any more context than that, so we will take it to you, John. Yeah. Who you got? Man, this is kind of like what I said in his eyes. don't know exactly what to expect from John Jones, but all I've known is that he wins. Um, and with Surreal, you know, we've seen him struggle with the wrestling in the, the last two rounds against Francis. And obviously, we know John Jones has a different pedigree of that. But Francis also, you know, provided a different scary element in his striking that maybe made keeping your hands up a little bit more active than maybe he might feel with John Jones. So there's a little bit of parody there. Um, it's just so hard for me to pick against John Jones in a situation where I don't know if Surreal has the power to hurt him with one shot. 
and John Jones doesn't get hit a lot. He has been getting hit a little bit more recently, but it's not like multiple shots that really hurt him. It's one shot, and then he does a good job of getting that distance or going for a takedown. True. So I'm going to take John Jones in this. I'm going to say third-round TKO. Yeah, I just I reiterate, I just can't believe it's finally here. Uh, it's mm-hmm. crazy to think, but this is a matchup we as fight fans have been dreaming of even before Surreal fought Francis for uh, the heavyweight title. And I think the main reasoning is because both of these guys are physical and technical, or mm-hmm. because of, excuse me, their physical and technical attributes, especially with the striking. You know, both guys have fairly similar styles in that they are long, rangy snipers with excellent footwork, you know, switching stances. Both have a mass and massive arsenal of weapons in terms of kicks, punches, knees, elbows, um, and all that just makes for such a fascinating matchup that I honestly feel either man can win this fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really genuinely do, even as a John Jones fan, um, I feel that way, um, and and I have no idea how to even break down this striking matchup because right. it's just so high level. It goes way over my poor little boy striking head. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, but I just know they're both gifted and talented in what they do. Um, I am, however, going with the Lonely Heart Boy Club and taking John <laughs> Jones. Of course, is my official right. pick. Um, and it's funny because it kind of goes against everything for the most part of how I look at fights or make my picks. You know, John hasn't been active. Surreal's been active. Um, way more active, I mean, than John Jones. Obviously, Jones not fighting in three years, uh, but I think I judge it a little bit differently here with John Jones, who is possibly the greatest, you know, mixed martial artist right. of all time. You know what I mean? And and I, th- I still feel like, uh, you know, you can take that time off, and even where he was was just so far ahead of most people that mm-hmm. I don't think that's a big deal in this. Also, John moving up would be a bit of a concern for me normally. You know, weight changes we've seen work. Sometimes they don't. I'm not a big fan of him going down. He is going up. We've seen more success there. Um, and especially not knowing with heavyweight as well how he's going to ha- carry that weight moving mm-hmm. up. You know, that, that, that can make a big difference. Um, but this has been a very slow process for Jones, um, and he's worked on getting bigger for the past three years. So I feel he'll be more acclimated to the heavier weight come fight night. Um, but we obviously aren't going to know that until he's in there. Mm-hmm. But I do think the, the time actually kind of helps there, right? Because he's has just spent more time as a human living life at that weight mm-hmm. or his bigger weight. Um, but the main reason I'm going with Jones and I th- is because I think we are going to see a return of the takedowns in wrestling. Mm-hmm. I just do. And obviously I think that, um, that we, uh, he holds a huge advantage there, excuse right. me, you know, and, and just, and especially being able to just utilize the different, I mean, his trips and stuff are just next level, man, mm-hmm. just so crazy. I'd also like to see him get in tight using some of the clinch work. I think he's one of the very best in the clinch as well. I mean, I mean, don't forget, John Jones was just nasty with the ground and pound. The elbows, oh, man. just crazy. Um, and I think Jones is also so good defensively um, that he can kind of move forward to Surreal and, and look to get Surreal's back to the cage, which will open up all of these tools that he has um and surreal's actually kind of comfortable fighting there so that's what makes this matchup so great you know surreal's a guy that's always on his toes bouncing switching stances never stands still it's going to create some problems for john jones you know Mm -hmm. um uh, but I think his best bet is just to rely on that championship and five-round experience and really drag this thing deep. Um, I don't know if he can control this fight on the feet, but I believe he can on the ground. Um, I will say I do think either way uh, this fight goes over three rounds. I do think mm-hmm. it's going to be a bit of a longer round. Um, 
and just don't forget, man, John Jones is a dog. I mean, we've seen him dig deep, have to find ways to win fights late. Absolutely. The Gus fight, especially. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying, you know, Surreal isn't capable of that, too. We just haven't seen it yet. And mm-hmm. Jones has been there plenty of times in his career. I mean, he's had to go to some dark places. Well, we've seen Surreal not be able to get up. Yes. I mean, that's what lost him sure. his, his title fight. We've seen him, you know... Um, We've seen him make mistakes, right? I mean, he, like you said, the title fight. I mean, I mean, you go back to that. It's almost like the Glover Prohashka, where it's like, oh, why'd you do that? Right. You know what I mean? Um, I think a decision is a great choice here, uh, but I like the finish and I like it on the ground by submission. Believe it or not, so oh, give nice. me John Jones fourth round sub. Yeah, it's interesting, man, because you the only time you've ever seen Jones struggle a little bit with his striking range is taller guys, Gustafson. Um, uh, who else was a, a little bit taller? I mean, um, uh, Reyes. Yeah. You know, a little bit harder to get a hold of. Yeah. He does always struggle. It, you know, his even going back to Gus, yeah, like you said, he has always struggled. So, you know, and I do think, you know, the bigger guy is – it's going to be an issue, man. I'm just so nervous. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm try, I'm still trying to process this fight in my head. Like, it's just so crazy because um, mm-hmm. I just genuinely don't know what's going to happen. And the time off does leave a little bit of, like, ooh, I don't know. Right. What John Jones – what is this new John Jones look like? And we've talked about how, you know, he's kind of announced that he needs more training partners in this. He's yeah, had to move around his camp. For me – I. I do love that he's with Henry Cejudo, or mm-hmm. not with him, but trained with him a lot for this. Him and Captain Eric there, uh, fight ready in Arizona, and then they came out to him this last week. I saw and, and did some training with him, so I do like that because I think having guys that are you know relevant right now, still active, still coaching people at a very high level is important. Um, I mean, not to say that you know Brandon Gibson and Greg Jackson. Uh, his head coach and striking coach aren't the same, but, you know, just having fresh minds, getting mm-hmm. fresh eyes on him, you know, new ideas. I think that's huge. But I also, once again, I think that just lends itself more to just, I think we're going to see a grappling heavy approach mm-hmm. here from Jones. And I like it. I mean, yeah. he, he's already said, I saw an interview. I think they played it last night. I saw where he was like, look, this is mis- mixed martial arts. This isn't a grappling match. So if that's where his mind's already at. Also, I'm not buying the surreal, not training. thing. Right. We talked about that. Uh, just, yeah. just we his coach kind of came out and clarified that a little bit. Yeah. He probably was like, ah, I don't think, I don't think my fighter saying this is great yeah. for me. So for people that don't know, essentially John uh Surreal Gone came out this past week, I think, mm-hmm. and said like he's lazy. The truth he is he only trains when he gets a fight. Right. Yeah. Like I, I I'm just not buying that. Another thing that's kind of come out this past week, um, as I think I saw it was Jones that was kind of addressing it on social media, people coming at him saying that like he can't like basically saying that he waited for Francis to leave Mm -hmm. essentially to come back and stuff like that. And, you know, he took kind of an easier route or whatever. And like my whole thing is like, but at the same time, like Francis also left when he, you know, like Francis had the opportunity to fight John Jones if he wanted that fight. So you can't just put that all on John Jones. You know what I mean? Like, and even Jones said like, dude, I've been ready to fight since like last November or something like that. Like before Mm -hmm. Francis even left. So he had the opportunity to do it as well. So that was just another thing I saw where I'm like, that doesn't really add up to me. Yeah. And and I think what's also interesting for gone is I don't think he's ever fought anybody that's this athletic. When you talk about the heavyweights that he's been through, you're like a Derek Lewis tied to Avasa, even Francis, where these are big guys that are going to plant and throw. John Jones isn't going to be there a lot. 
Yeah. You know, if we would have seen him fight like a Tom Aspinall, maybe you see somebody with sure. a level of athleticism that he's had to hunt down. But yeah. he hasn't had to see something like this. So that's going to be interesting to see yeah. how he – somebody who can kind of match him is in terms of movement and, you know, knowing where they're sure. at and being there. So. Yeah, I just can't get over the Francis, you know, taking Surreal down. And, and I think that's where if you're Jones, you just got to drag this thing out. You mm-hmm. got to play the long game a little bit, be defensively sound early. But once again – both of these guys have similar game plans. You know, you go and you watch like Jones versus Reyes, which is his last fight, and Gon versus Tuivasa. It's like both of them use their footwork defensively, kind of, and then just drug it out. And then once it got to those later rounds, that's when you see like, especially Gon and that Tuivasa really starting to sit down on punches mm-hmm. and wing things and really kind of just, it's like they just chip away, chip away, chip away. So how that plays out this Saturday, like, if you can't tell, yeah. my mind is like yeah. all over the place. And you know, Gon doesn't, he's not a sitting duck either. He moves the whole time too. Yeah, so he does. That's what I said. You he can't, never stands still. He's always switching stances. And so on maybe his toes. you see John doing that kick to the knee to kind of take away some of that movement. It's I thought gonna it was be interesting, really interesting watching his last fight, the Reyes Jones, Reyes fight, is he came out and immediately shot and attempted mm-hmm. several early takedowns to no. No, I mean, he didn't get him early anyways. Mm-hmm. He didn't even eventually get Reyes down, but didn't get the early ones. So I kind of think that could be a similar mm-hmm. thought process going in here. But, yeah, I'm, I can't even I, – I don't even know yeah. what I'm going to do. And so the odds yeah. aren't even all that crazy. <laughs> Jones is a minus 170 no, and Cyril is a one, and plus I, 145. That's so fair. I mean, yeah. this thing should be close to a pick because who knows. Right. I, I just, I'm going with the lonely heart at the end of the day. Our co-main event, John, the champ, 125 pounds. Valen Tina Shevchenko versus number six, Alexa Garasso. This will be Valentina's eighth title defense against her eighth different mm-hmm. opponent. Since winning the belt, uh, Valentina has looked leagues better than all of her the opposition she has faced. That was until her last fight against Tyler Santos in June of last year. Uh, Santos gave Valentina her toughest fight yet. Uh, and for the first time, you know, we saw Valentina look a little human in that fight at 125 mm-hmm. pounds. Um, obviously, the Amanda fights both being at 135 um, and her opponent Alexa Grasso comes in all guns a blazing uh, since moving up to this flyweight division she is a perfect 4-0 and in her last four and her last win was a unanimous decision victory over Viviani Araujo last October in her first UFC main event she looked good over five rounds and showed that she is more than capable of fighting well into those championship rounds um, but the question is and what we're going to answer now is will it be enough to overthrow the 125 pound queen we will start with brandon who is taking valentina via fourth round tko and john i will let you take it from there man i really like alexa grasso like i really do like and i feel like there in, in a world where valentina doesn't exist in this weight class she very well could be the champion there's right a lot now. of fun qualities there, yeah for sure um, I love her boxing. Uh, I love how she's been able to, you know, hold her own at, the, at this division um, against some really tough competition. Yeah. But Valentina is Valentina, man. Yeah. And and just like Amanda, it's going to take her maybe taking somebody lightly to lose, and I don't think she does that. Sure. I think the type of person she is, like when you watch the embeddeds and stuff, like her, she's traveling to places early. She's has all these sparring partners, all these gyms, her sister's there to kind of push her. Sure. You don't see her having kids and like kind of getting off track. And I don't think that happens here. Yeah. So I'm going to take Valentina Shevchenko. I will say by decision, if she doesn't take, I don't, I don't know if she takes it to the ground. If she does, 
you know, maybe she can kind of ground her out and make her more tired. But I think Valentina kind of wins however she wants in most situations. So I'll take Valentina by decision. Yeah, you know, I think the the, the thing with, with this fight is, there, like I said, where you see Garasso with some interesting qualities, right? It's like you think about Juliana Pena, Amanda Nunez, that mm-hmm. first fight. And it's like, Garasso is more than... Because I think that's... That, that's essentially the same way somebody needs to fight Valentina. Just go in and be a dog. At right. this point, like, I, I don't know that many women now are even capable of catching up to her in mm-hmm. terms of skill this late in a lot of these women's careers and stuff. So it's like, just go in there be and just be a dog. Yeah. Like, go in there and just chop her block off. I was going to say right. a bad word there, but I didn't. <laughs> you know, just go in and take her out, man. And Grosso has the capability to yeah. do that. I mean, she has the the ability to do that. But I guess to answer the original question there that I asked is, if I think we've seen enough to this point to believe that Grosso will win this fight, I just have to say no. You know, I think she's definitely presents some strong skill sets. Obviously, as you mentioned with her boxing, um, and then she's got, just like I said, that Mexican dog in her. Mm-hmm. Just toughness, man. She carries the, the Viva la Raza, right? Like, she's right. got it in there. Um, but but as we've said many times, you know, it's just going to take something special at this point to overthrow Valentina. And I just don't think to this point that we've necessarily seen that from Garasso. Um, don't want to understate how good she is. Like you right. said, there, she, her boxing is really, really good. Um, and, and she's probably one of the best in the game at that at this way mm-hmm. maybe just pure boxing right um and she's also somebody Grosso is who she's been improving right you know every time we she's in there she's adding new little wrinkles to her game mm-hmm. you know early on she herself admitted that the wrestling and grappling had to get better we've seen that improve right. obviously tapping out joanne wood right mm-hmm. um but in my my opinion um just not to the level where I think she can kind of stop Shevchenko right now. I also think Garasso absorbs a lot of damage, mm-hmm. and some of that may be attributed to that toughness I talked about, uh, but you can't get hit as much as she does in a fight like this and against an opponent like Valentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that, I will take Valentina with the third-round TKO. And I think it's tough if if Garasso is catching Valentina before you have the Santos fight where you could have lost that fight. Sure. You learned that lesson and still got the W. I don't think you see Valentina sleep on Garasso at all. I agree. I so. agree. Also, before we move on, we'll mention this. If Garasso wins, uh, the UFC will have three simultaneous Mexican-born champions, uh, which I just think would be dope. Right. Uh, when before Brandon, you know, because before Brandon Moreno, who just won the belt in 2021, there wasn't a single Mexican-born champion right. in the UFC. So right now there's two with him and Yair. We just talked about this before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Garasso could make it three, which is... It would just be insane. Imagine that Mexico City card or something. Yeah. Three on it. It would be, <laughs> hey, man. Even if she win or lose, I think that yeah. you're seeing some of these Mexican-born fighters kind of really show themselves to say, hey, we could do an event yeah. here and really show out. So I, hopefully she has a good showing, and she very well could win. You know, like we were saying, you know, I don't think a lot of people thought Talia Santos had sure. nearly as much of a chance as she believed she did because she showed it. So Yeah, and, you know, we were, I, we were talking a little bit before Dana's you know, scrum last night. And I told you, like, I thought when he was kind of talking about Yair, just having these now Mexican born champions, you could see him himself was like really proud of that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, um, 
credit to him because you know Mexico's a market and growing the sport there is something he's been right. trying to do for so long. So you could just see the pride that he kind of takes in having uh, Mexico now and having these really high level Mexican born. Well, they're fighters. also building a PI there. Yeah, so right. that's a you know that's a really big selling sure. point for him to hey yeah. you know we have champions that come out of here come right. train. Yeah, I mean, well, Mexican just it just in combat sports, you know, mainly boxing is just mm-hmm. so much history there and just his goal I think has just always been to try to pour that into MMA and get, right. get try to win over some of these young kids instead of going to boxing to get into MMA because I mean like I said we've seen what Mexicans can do in boxing and it's right next level right <laughs> I mean, so it's there's crazy there's a lot, the, lot of potential the talent's man. crazy but yes moving into our next fight uh Brandon was going to run this down John took it over mm-hmm. let us know who we got all righty so the last one we're previewing will be uh number seven Jeff Neal facing number 10 Shavkat Rachmanov in a division full of contenders this fight will feature two of the best finishers in the welterweights have to offer Jeff Neal has finished 11 of his 15 wins by TKO or submission Meanwhile, budding star Shavkat has finished every single one of his 16 wins um, with zero losses onto that. Neil debuted on uh, Dana White's Contender Series. After winning that fight, he went on to win his first five UFC fights before losing a couple decisions to Wonder Boy and Neil Magny. Since those losses, though, he's gone on to win two in a row, including a knocked-out victory over highly touted contender Vincente Luque. Rachmanov, meanwhile, has been the boogeyman of the league sort of uh, since he got into the UFC, alternating first and second-round finishes in his four UFC victories, most recently being a second-round submission victory over Neil Magny. Uh, Shavkat has only seen the third round once in his whole career and has perfectly split the number of finishes with eight knockouts and eight submissions. While seemingly no one was trying to fight Shavkat, Jeff stepped up and gets a chance to derail a hype train that of one of the scariest ten- contenders the division has ever had, while Rachmanov will have a chance to staple himself as a, le- a title contender if he can beat the always game Jeff Neal. All right, Brandon is taking Shavkat Rachmanov via second round submission. John, who you got? I'm gonna. I'm, I mean, I've been on the. I've been beating the Rachmanov drum for a while, and I'm. Yeah. I'm taking him as well. I'm gonna say first round TKO. I think he alternates first and second. This will be going back to a first, and I. I think Jeff Neal is really tough, but we've also seen him kind of fade a little bit against strikers like a Wonder Boy or even somebody like Neil Magny who can kind of negate that. And we just haven't seen somebody make Shavkat even look kind of normal yeah. at this point. Yeah, I'm probably most other than you know the return of John Jones most excited for this fight because I just want to know how good Shavkat. Rachmanov right. is and you know what a better test um, than to see where he's at than against a guy like Jeff Neal especially this version of Jeff Neal mm-hmm. who at times like you mentioned just didn't always seem super focused or motivation motivated which is something he even kind of admitted to mm-hmm. that you know he had to change um, but man coming off that Luke fight uh, he has really seemed to fix that because he made Luke look like he didn't even belong on his level that right. night um, so I don't know if he'll be the Gilbert Burns to Shavkat's Hamzat Rock. I can't say it. They're all so similar. Uh, Hamzat Shemaev, excuse mm-hmm. me. But I do think Neil can be competitive in this fight. And Rachmanov has to be mindful of the stand-up power that Neil possesses. You mm-hmm. know, But ultimately, I do think uh, Shavkat will be able to get this fight to the ground and finish Neil there. Um, I just sold a PSA 10 Shavkat Rachmanov rookie <laughs> card, numbered to 49 this week for $200. And I have a feeling that by the end of this year, I'll be wishing I held it. Because I think with a big stand statement in this fight um something massive is next yeah. for him um i did fade neil pretty hard this right. in his last fight with luke so do take that with a grain of salt um because i do think i think i think neil's a live dog here man i really mm-hmm. do 
Um, but I do think Shafcott gets it done fast. He has so many ways to win, man. Yeah. So you said first round sub. Uh, first round TKO. So I'll take first round submission, um, which is crazy. But because um, that's what I'm saying, you know, I don't know if we're gonna get Sambo is different, man. Well, you know, you know, it's like what I was saying with the Burns. Uh, Hamzat is like, you know, that was really the test for Hamzat, right? And he got pushed and challenged. And I don't think that is what this fight will be. But then again, you look at Neil's last two fights and it's like, man, if he shows up like that, right. maybe, you know, maybe he's the one to to kind of push and uh, test him. So I'm excited. You know, may, I thought maybe every time Shafkot fights from here on out, I'll look up the value of that card. <laughs> and cry can, a little bit. Yeah, we can see how much I, <laughs> I lost or I'm losing uh, or if it was a good sell or not. I right. guess, hey, if he here's the thing. Jeff Neal is more than capable For of sure. landing something nasty. And the value, whoever bought that card is going to be like, dang it. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's tough because, you know, like I said in the preview, Shawcott does it different yeah. ways every time. You know, he's he's not just a, a grappler and he's oh, not yeah. just a striker. I mean, he's literally I mean. eight and eight, you know, right. 16, you know, eight, eight knockouts, eight subs. So the only thing that I just don't want, I hope he's not completely overlooking Jeff Neal. I've seen this past week him already kind of starting to talk about fighting Hamza. And he's like, mm-hmm. hey, if I'll do it if he wants to type thing. And I know that doesn't always lead to well, He's been tied to him his whole yeah, career. Yeah, and I know UFC that doesn't always seem right. And I don't know that. I know that's not necessarily automatically suggesting that he's looking past Jeff Neal. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, but it's just like I hope that he's completely focused on the guy in front of him because right. Jeff Neal is tough, man. Right. And, it, and this isn't going to be um, as easy as some of his last fights, right. obviously. And, and I mean, if, if Shawcott does win this out and he does it impressively like he has been, yeah. he probably doesn't get a fight offer for a while because guys sure. don't want to fight him. That's, how, that's just the dog that Jeff Neal is that he wanted to fight him. It got a pushback because uh, I think Neal got hurt or something like that. Yeah. A cancellation. I think it was like going to happen like last October or November. Yeah. yeah. So, and, but he wanted to still run it back. Yeah. Like that's just the type of guy he is. Yeah. So yeah. Who's this calling? is my sleeper for fighting the night yeah I these mean, guys are, oh yeah and we talked about it you know last year nobody was asking for that shafkot fight so mm-hmm. you know the fact that neil wanted to still stay with it is like kind of like new neil magny you mm-hmm. know it's that same thing with hamza like only one guy's kind of raising their hand here so right. <laughs> that that's that that could be fun um as we mentioned john this is a stack card uh so we're gonna pick for more than just the three uh mm-hmm. for our one pointers uh so moving down the card we have and the first one point, since they're one point, we just need the winner here. We have number seven, Mateus Gamrat versus number 10, Jalen Turner in the lightweight division. Uh, Jalen Turner was originally scheduled to face Dan Hooker, who was forced to withdraw due to injury. So Gamrat answered the call just a few weeks notice. Gamrat's coming in off his unanimous decision loss to Benil Dariush in October of last year. Imagine if he wins that fight, right? Right. Uh, that loss snapped a four-fight win streak for Gamrat, who was on the cusp of a potential title shot had he had won mm-hmm. his opponent Jalen Turner comes in on a five fight win streak with five straight finishes three by submission two by way of TKO or knockout Turner's last victory was the impressive first round submission victory performance over Brad Riddell last July Jalen also probably physically one of the most impressive lightweights was his with his 6'3 frame and 77 inch reach crazy yeah uh, Brandon is taking Mateusz Gamrot by unanimous decision, John, who you got? I'm going Gamrod as well. I think uh, I think Turner being tall and long might help Gamrod get a hold of those legs. Dude, this is one I have no clue. Yeah. I mean, just like kind of like the main event um, for different reasons. I mean, yeah, just both of these guys are so good. I love Jalen Turner. I love everything mm-hmm. that I've seen, that we've seen so far from him. Um, and if he wins this fight, 
I mean, look out. Right. I mean, like, because that's going to tell you how legit he is. Not that, I mean, the Brad Riddell was impressive, that performance right. alone. Um, but I do feel like in terms of for the pick, for the point, and maybe it's the safe route, and I shouldn't be playing it safe, but I am going to take Gamride here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I just have never I mean, seen Turner fight somebody to the level that Gamride yeah. has, and Gamride has beat some of the greatest guys in the division. It, it's just so because both guys are just good grapplers too, like yeah. good, good, just so well rounded. Oh man, I, I, I'm going to take Gamride, man. I'm going to take him by submission. I'll say third round. I don't even know why. <laughs> you don't even have to call that. It's a one point. Oh, that's you right. Just so, call yeah, it's just one. Yeah. yeah, okay. I forgot. Brandon Brandon put UD, which yeah. like threw me off in his notes. So, uh, yeah. So, I will take Gamrot. Brandon's taking Gamrot. All three of us taking Gamrot. Yeah. Sorry. Messed that up. <laughs> it's all good. I, I was overthinking it because I'm like, man, like, how, who, when, how. They're both just right. so good everywhere. Um, the next fight that we are picking for and the uh, fight that will kick off the main card in UFC 285 is Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett. Um, in just his fourth professional mixed martial arts fight, Bo Nickel will make his official UFC debut. Bo is a perfect 3-0 and in his young career. Uh, in th- uh, being All being three first-round finishes, uh, the latter two wins being on Dana White's Contender Series where he secured back-to-back one-minute subs. Um, and I know we've talked about the hype behind Bo, but just in case you don't remember, Bo is a three-time NCAA and Big Ten uh, cha- wrestling champion out of Penn State. Uh, his opponent, Jamie Pickett, comes in with back two back-to-back losses. Uh, Pickett does have quite a bit of UFC experience with six fights for the promotion, but he's only seen two victories in that run. Mm-hmm. Brandon is taking Bo Nickel, John. Who are you taking? Uh, I mean, Bo Nichols, a minus 1400 yeah. in this. Yeah. Um, and as uh, the ESPN app likes to do, they mess stuff up. They have his takedown average as 23.6 takedowns a fight. Sure. <laughs> Same for his submission attempts. <laughs> I mean, why, why, why not? <laughs> right. I, I'm definitely going Bo here. I, I think that there's a chance that he runs into somebody that maybe makes this a little bit easier. I just don't know if it's Pickett. Yeah, no, not right now. Not with Pickett. Um, I watched some of Pickett's fight stuff, you know. I really looked at his fight with Dawkins for this mm-hmm. because I think Bo is definitely on that level, if not even better than Dawkins right, right now in terms of style with the grappling and stuff and, and not bad stand-up. Um, and Dawkins just really had his way with Pickett in terms of taking him down with relative ease and then controlling him on top once the fight got there. I don't see any reason why Bo won't do the same here and right. have that same success. So, yeah, give me Bo. I think Bo as Nickel. Bo moves up and gets some of these people that we've seen that are a little bit more tested, like a you know, like somebody like a RoboCop or something, that's where I think you get, like, there's an X factor there. Yeah. That if he gets hit, something can happen. I think it's cliche, but, like, you you kind of got to take it just every performance for what right. it is and just ba- like see how this one shapes out and then that kind of tells you maybe how it will do for the next one but you know the similarities between him and Brock Lesnar are just so similar mm-hmm. um the only difference is at this point Brock was facing like champions yeah crazy. Yeah, Randy Couture <laughs> and maybe Bo's capable of that that's yeah. what I'm saying I mean if he just like I mean, which I do. Well, think that's he, why you put him on the main uh, card. Yeah, and right? I think he will finish him in the first round. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, if he goes in and just blows through him the same way he did his last two, you know, that that point you're probably talking to definitely a ranked opponent next. Mm-hmm. Has to be. I mean, why waste time with this guy? And he said he's not going to waste time. So right. uh, the next fight that we are going to pick for number five, Derek Brunson versus number ten, Drikus Duplessis. Yes, the S is silent. Remember. 
Derek Brunson comes into this fight off a second round knockout loss to Jared Cannonier one year ago. Uh, that loss snapped a five fight win streak for Brunson, who with that win probably would have seen himself back in the title picture. His opponent, Drikas Duplessis, is definitely facing his toughest UFC test to date with this fight. Uh, but the timing couldn't be better for Duplessis, who comes into this fight on a six fight win streak in his career. Four of those wins being in the UFC. Um, and it's been no easy road for Drikas either, who's already faced and defeated some notable middleweight talent like Brad Tavares and most recently Darren Till. Back in December, Brandon John is taking Derek Brunson. Who you got? I got Duplessis, man. I'm, I'm a believer. Uh, and here's the thing. He's just as... So he's this, a, dude, all you know, these fights, this match, maybe. Yeah. Let's just tee over real yeah. quick. Shout we had out an to applause Mick, yeah, Mick Maynard and uh, uh, who's the other match? Sean Shelby. Mm-hmm. Dana White, I mean, the matchmaking on this card is just phenomenal. I mean, mm-hmm. not only just stacked card, but the matchmaking is just over the top here. But go ahead. Yeah, so. I was just going to say, a lot of times Brunton runs into people who just can't keep up with him with the grappling, and he has a lot of cardio. <sighs> I think Duplacy does that. And we've seen him find cardio <laughs> yeah, out of his out but of that, his butt, man. I don't know where. That's what so nervous, though, is like how – but every time, like, he gets gas, he does just find a way, man. And his striking is nice, man, and I think – uh, I think Brunson was kind of on that teetering of if he doesn't know if he wants to fight anymore after like failing to get to the title yeah. again. And we've talked about that on here before when guys aren't sure and they kind of just jump back in. You never know what you're going to get. But Duplessis is not here to play. Man. Yeah, I I do think I'm going to lean, lean Drikas here. Uh, I mean, he does. He, he hits and gets hit a lot. Right, uh, which makes me nervous, um, as both guys I would say are more grappling heavy, um, but those fights do tend to turn into stand up wars. And Derek Brunson has power, mm-hmm. um, but we've also seen seen Brunson be a little chinny at times as well. Uh, Drikas is also a sub threat on the ground. I mean, a lot of his wins, most of them I believe, have come by submission. Mm-hmm. Brunson has never been subbed, uh, but there's definitely a first for everything. Yeah. Uh, so give me Drikas. Um, apart from Brunson, 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 kind of grinding out a decision here. I just think Drikas has more ways to finish the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brunson more than capable of grinding it out as well. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you, man. There's just something special about Duplessis, I think. 18-2, and two, you win this. You put yourself in yeah, a very it's good... a big win. I mean... be a big it's, win. It's so crazy him. to how dormant the division seemed. Yeah. And then just in a year and some change now, we so, have contenders, so talent, a change so at the top. Yeah. Like, it's it's nice, man. That's all our picks. Um, any other fights is that maybe stand out to you, John? Ian Gary, baby. Ian Gary's back. Ian Gary Machado. Yeah, Machado. Uh, um, then you have uh, Cody Garbrandt is mm-hmm. Trevin Giles. Uh, is, he's facing... Um, anyway. Julian Marquez... Yeah, uh, Amanda Hebus. Yep. So there's, I mean, there's. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, watch the whole thing, please. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. All righty, that's what we got, John. Let's get to our fight pantry in honor of UFC 285. We're opening it up, as I mentioned, to the country of France. Francie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to hand these to you so you can go ahead and open them. Uh, yeah, that one. The top one's open. Okay. My wife or Ash, Ash already got into him, and so did she I, try him. Yeah, <laughs> I she think, like was she like well, not you, trying to give this back? I have not tried them, and you can see how many are probably missing. Well, so I, these three. sound good. What we are trying trying today are called Galvoots Chocolate Biscuits. Um, and yeah, you no, hand me oh. the box. You take yours. Just hand me the box back. You're good. Um, Galvoots founded John their factory in 1920 in mm. Kimpierre, Francie. These chocolate Britney biscuits, as they are also referred to, are essentially an overcooked crepe folded eight times and then dipped in chocolate. So the story is um, 
a baker in like the 1800s that can't remember. I think her name might have been Rachel. I don't know. Or Brittany. I don't know. Rachel. Uh, yeah, Rachel. Rachel Nevada. <laughs> uh, actually, well, she was cooking and then overcooked a crepe and it came crispy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she decided she liked it and then started making them. It's like so, the, uh, the katana of. Yeah. Desserts. So what do you think of the look of the? How would you describe the look? I mean, literally, like if you took like a. A crepe, which yeah, is, no, when you see it on the side right there, you yeah, see it kind of folded specifically, up. Specifically, it said they're folded eight times. Yeah. So I don't know if that's true. They look a little bit smaller than that. Um, John, uh, do not chew into the mic, but go ahead and take your first bite, and All I will right. get your reaction. Um, yeah, you're good. Go ahead. These are, uh, like I said, they're chocolate. I think you can get different. Um, you can get different like versions. They they have like a hazelnut, um, stuff like that. Like I said, I haven't tried one. Almost like a Go ahead. I'll tell you what. The crisp is nice. And it's not, like, sweet on the inside, per se. Like, you would think, like, a Butterfinger or some of the other stuff we've had. I don't know what to compare it to other than maybe, like, a chocolate-covered chip or something. Because it has, like, a salty thing in the middle. It is almost like a chocolate-covered potato chip. Yeah. That's interesting. Does it have... It's chocolate, but I'm getting something else in there. Like, another... Not, like, caramel or malt... Maybe like a vanilla in the crepe part. Maybe, yeah, maybe that, but man. That crunch is nice. I love the crunch. And like I said, it's like a little bit salty on the inside, so it's not like an overload. Yeah, let me put one more down. They, they, I don't think these are folded eight times. No, I'm, 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 calling, I'm calling maybe three. But yeah, I think these are, um, man, these are up there with the uh, Tim Tams, man. I like these a lot. Boy, I don't know where I'm putting these in comparison. I know These are put, really good. You're definitely putting them above Mexico, so. Yeah, that was terrible. Galvoots. All right. What are you scoring at 1 to 10? I'm really thinking here. And I don't remember the Tim Tam score. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Tams were, or no. Ooh, the Sonio Javalsos from Brazil. Oh, Those yeah. were fire, too. Man. Mm, I would say 1 to 10, I would give those a solid, like, 7.7. I think, yeah, I think that's fair. I I, I was kind of in that range. I could see me like accidentally eating the box. I'll go seven, eight. I'll go just a little bit above you. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the crunch. I almost think a little too much chocolate. I think if it was a little less chocolate, I think they'd see, be. That's why I did seven, seven because I could use it. Like, I thought a little bit more because it just wasn't quite fully more, covered. You want you want more yeah. chocolate, but I'm more of a sweet person than you. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. See, I think a little less chocolate might have got him into that like eight one range. But nonetheless, I like these. Fray, nothing on this box is English. John can confirm. Uh, but yes, Galvoots. It's spelled G A V O T T E S. You can get these on Amazon. No free ads, but I would highly say try. I would recommend. Yes. Yeah. Did you throw that on like a shark? charcuterie board yeah that's a good idea that's a banger because it's not too much it's a little bit of a sweet but it's not too much so shout out to france for that one yeah france got it right there uh john let's get to the news going on the news Mm. going on the news Mm -mm. if you don't like it brandon will punch you and give you a bruise all right Dana White in his post-fight scrum says that they aren't going to do an immediate rematch between Islam, Mahakchev, and Volkanovski. Given the performance of Yair and the options for Islam, he wants to see them both defend their division titles before meeting up again in a super fight. But obviously it's said that you know you, you couldn't ask for a better yeah. situation for how the super fight went where people are debating the win and right. um, you know people are actually calling for a chance at a rematch. But... When you have a Yair who performs the way he does and you yeah. have so many contenders at 55, you do, you can't hold those divisions up. No, I, I agree with this 100% uh, with what Dana's saying here. And, and once again, getting back to the, the Mexicans is when he kind of got into the whole mm-hmm. like be, having Mexican-born champions. And 
I think he wants to see this fight. And as you mentioned, ooh, still got the gavuts in my throat a little bit. <laughs> trying to get my, the chocolate out of my teeth. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, what he said there was just like how, yes, the the, the uh, featherweight, you just couldn't ask for a better scenario there, mm-hmm. a one-two punch there, so to speak. But, yeah, I'm glad we, he gave some clarity on that because I've still seen a lot of people, you know, this week speculating what they're going to do. I think you said, yeah, you basically said, if I have to defend the interim mm-hmm. champion, I'm the champ. And I agree right. with that statement as well. Like, at that point, if if Volk is, you know, saying like, hey, I'm going to go back to like, okay, you're, you're just a lightweight at that point. Right. Like, because like, like, like you just said, you can't tie up these these yeah. two divisions. And you're not are, hurt, so. Yeah. If Volk's the number one lightweight contender, fine. Like, right. whatever. They can rematch. But, yeah, you, I just, they, they can't be the same because they're just, both of these divisions need activity especially at the top right and and dana white usually isn't somebody who 100 percent's like right. yeah i want to do this next they no usually, he seemed really they usually say we'll see guy, right he'll be yeah. like yeah then we'll see what happens but he seems like oh, yeah. hey i gotta have these guys do something sure. else but we want to run this back yeah no 100 so that's that's definitely a huge one um also last night we had the nikki rod and pena match um on flow on flow w who's number one yeah who's number one i didn't get a chance to watch it but i know you did so definitely wanted to hear your thoughts great great match i mean i think it was a uh 25 minute time limit i can't remember i think it was 25 minutes but the last 20 minutes of that was a barn burner um Mm -hmm. and really watchable um you know jujitsu matches aren't always the most watchable right um but just a really great match both guys really going for it i thought you know, it was pretty much what you would probably expect from Philippe Pena and, and Nicky Rod. You know, Nicky Rod on top trying to pass, uses body locks, but Pena just did a great job um, of defending that, uh, utilizing, um, uh, had some great leg entries Pena did from the bottom mm-hmm. uh, to, to get on Nicky's legs and really threaten there. Both guys having some success there in the leg lock positions, but um, Nicky Rod coming close to passing a couple of times. Pena had some good back takes. I mean, it was just a fun, uh, really entertaining match. Um, I thought so. So Pena won mm-hmm. by decision. I, I think I'm okay with it. it. It was really close. So, man, I mean, it, it could have went either way. But shout out to Nikki Rod. I mean, for taking that match on three days' notice, which might be even just as equally a big story as this was supposed to be Gordon Ryan right. versus Felipe Pena. Um, and Gordon dropped out on Wednesday, I believe. Um, and then, you know, which is ironically, Nikki Rod steps in, which, you know, people in the jiu-jitsu world know, don't know, is Nikki Rod and Gordon, former training partners, and they – the falling, you know, they had a falling out years ago, but they've kept it professional. And professionalism was off the table right. these past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, Gordon, I, Nikki Rod had made some comments on a podcast, and then Gordon just went back. And if you know Gordon Ryan, it's when he claps, it's, it's yeah, thunderclap. It, so they've been going back and forth, you know, or like mainly Gordon going at Nikki on social media, you know. You take steroids. No, you take steroids or whatever. Or I take steroids, but I say something. You don't say. Something yeah, about whatever. It but, you know, shout out to Nikki though, right here, three days notice, to be able to go the way he did against Pena, who is one of the greatest or best active heavyweights at, in this mm-hmm. time period, um, and, and to go the way he did and, and have that performance just shows how much he trains. You know, steroids or not, I don't care. I'm not here right. to argue that. But uh, he was he clearly shows he's in great shape and, and, and looked good, man. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I mean... Well, Gordon obviously dropped out for being sick, yeah. a stomach issue, which is something that he's been fighting for a long time anyways. Right. Um, I mean, maybe you could argue a little bit Nikki, against Nikki is like when the body lock was 
not working. There just wasn't much more offering than that. But mm-hmm. it's also Pena where it's like you can't we, just – You see the team this guy assembled to get ready yeah. for this match. Yeah. Some of Nicky Rod's teammates, like a Craig Jones. Like, yeah, he went to so, Autos. So there's a there's a little bit of crossover there. but Yeah. And, uh, he did, and Nicky Rod, and let me not be – he did try some – I mean, he did try like a cartwheel pass here and there. I mean, he did try some different stuff, but it was pretty much like body pass or bust. Does, you know, or body lock pass. Did Pena's um, – his performance make you more excited to see how him and Gordon look? I mean, did it look it, like a did it look so, like an improved Pena like moving camps? No, and, I mean Pena's just awesome. Right, you know he's great. He did say in his post after the match, he did say that he's willing to stay in Austin one more week if Gordon wants to face off next Saturday. He's like, I'm I'm staying one more week. We can do it next Saturday. Um, so that would be funny if that just happens at some random gym in mm-hmm. Austin, Texas. I don't. I mean, I, I doubt Flo could assemble a card that quick. But uh, and I doubt just it do happens. a one off. Yeah, I doubt it happens. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, man, great match. And I mean, it was it, it was fun. But yeah, I mean, it's so hard to tell because Gordon's just kind of in a league of his own. So you know. You think this gives Gordon a little heads up of like what maybe Pena might have tried to implement in a match against him, or or him and Nikki so different that I don't know because Pena came out and immediately just sat. I mean, he was not willing. He never really stood up either. Mm-hmm. If, if they got back to standing, he just sat back down. So I don't know that Pena would have looked to you know pull guard or sit to guard mm-hmm. against Gordon. I don't know. Um, I would assume that was probably more against Nikki. That's the thing. It's like it's so hard to tell because was that game plan just going against right. a wrestler like Nicky Rod, right? So, and then uh, in the co-main, uh, Pedro Mourinho defeating Giancarlo Bedoni. Um, not a f- very watchable <laughs> match, if I'm being honest. I mean, it was a good performance, good jujitsu from both guys. Um, that was for their light heavyweight title. Pedro retained his belt there. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, that's kind of like the good, bad sometimes of jujitsu. But also that's so tough with jujitsu. It's like, man, by that like, 20 20 minute mark where there's like both guys are just drenched i mean and like in the nikki and pena pena kept saying nikki was greasing you know he kept making allegations in the match so the ref stopped and would wipe him down a little bit at times but i think it just kind of like with jujitsu it's like man when you really start creeping into that 20 25 30 Mm -hmm. you know gordon will go an hour he'll go hours you know it's like both guys are so wet that it's just like so hard to really do Mm -hmm. do much right Right. so especially when you're talking about going like no no rash guard at all or actually using one yeah they they do make them wear rash guards okay but um but dude they're just drenched i mean it's crazy i think that's why gordon said he did like a long sleeve one against me because he knew he's going to be hard to hold on to yeah so but was there anything else interesting that happened? No, I wasn't. Well, I was only able to watch those two. Okay. I wanted to try to get watch the JT Torres match, but I did. I haven't got. To, I will, mm-hmm. but not before the episode today. So nice. All right. Well, um, to kind of finish things out, we have some really big fight announcements. Um, number fourteen, Jelton Almeida will be fighting Yair Rosenstrike. Uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike, May 13th. Um, big fight for Jelton, who, like we we talked about, you know, are you going to be a heavyweight? Or are you going to be a light heavyweight? I think he's seeing this yeah. route to heavyweights a little bit quicker. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does. And obviously, for Rosenstrike, he, he needs a big win against a contender, yeah. or he's just going to be a gatekeeper. Um, we got Sergey Pavlovich and Curtis Blades happening April 22nd. Huge fight for yeah. both guys. I mean, I, I would imagine. Obviously, Stipe's in the wings to try to fight for you know the yeah. title next, but these guys, whoever wins that, has a really good take as well because yeah. you know Curtis Blades obviously um, had the the bad fight against Derek Lewis and the weird fight against Aspinall where the kick kind of ended it. But another thing that got brought up last night, um, which 
didn't uh, – it's kind of – I don't know if just maybe a slower week, but I was going to mention it when we were talking about the main event I forgot is Dana also confirmed that there is a backup fighter for the heavyweight title fight this Saturday, but wouldn't say who. It's got to be Stipe, right? They said he, I heard he's going to be there for sure. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Um, it was kind of weird. I think a lot of people may be making a little bit more out of it than what it is. I think he genuinely just because we were like he wouldn't say, but I think Rock he didn't. Like, yeah, I just think he genuinely didn't know because he was just kind of like, yeah. He's like, I mean, I'm sure we do. Well, at first he at first he kind of made it seem like, I'm sure we do. We always do for big fights like that. Mm-hmm. And then I think he kind of realized that was like people were kind of like, wait, what? Marson Tibera or somebody? No. Like, and then I I, think, well, I saw somebody share a picture of. Uh, Chris Bar is it Bar or uh, Chris Barnett? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I think he kind of realized it was like kind of got people's ears perked a little bit, and then he started out because he was just like, I mean, yeah, well, so we we got somebody, yeah. you know, type thing. It was more matter of fact after there was like a follow up question to it, but he he didn't say who it was. DC starts taking himself off at the table. Oh, dude, I think at this point, if I mean, please, John Jones real gone, do not fall out this week. Like I would, yeah. hate, I would be more so upset. But if that does happen, I think they should just ride it into fight. And do it like Royal Rumble style, and just let the music hit whoever walks out. Like, <laughs> yeah. are you gonna get MGK from the land, and then you're like, oh, it's Stepe, right. or you know, I mean, I don't know who else comes out to something specific, but he wouldn't say. So, but there, there will be a backup fighter. Mm-hmm. So, thought that was interesting. But yeah, for Pavlovich and Blades, this is a perfect chance for them to could be one to of them. A, yeah, to be ready. Um, Mackenzie Dern versus. Uh, Angela Hill, May 13th. Yep. Huge fight for Dern to try to get back and Angela Hill to kind of keep climbing up. Uh, biggest one for me is uh, our boy Benil Darush and Charles Oliveira. UFC 288, May yeah. 6th. Um, this is a big one. Yeah. I mean, with Islam doing Ramadan and being out regardless, I mean, Benil could have waited, but... Yeah, I mean, he also made a joke like the UFC's kind of wait for him to get old and retired before they give him a title fight. Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I, in, I mean... Yeah, it's going to be tough to answer, but is that the biggest or one of the biggest non-title fights that they could make right now? I would have to say, yeah. I mean, what's I a bigger non-title fight than Benil Oliveira? Well, because you guys, the guy who had the title recently and the guy who deserves the title shot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like it's just that. I'm just saying, like, I'm just, and I'm only saying that to like and skill for skill, man. I mean, just yeah, I mean, it's just a massive, massive fight that. I mean, I'm excited for. Um, I was really hoping Benil would just get the shot, but I'm not going to act like I'm no. not excited. To well, see and this like for matchup. Charles, you know, people might just look at the Islam fight and forget what he did. Yeah. All those fights previous. Like, you yeah. never know. I mean, it's. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, also, rumored to be the main event of that card, but not completely confirmed, but the fight itself has been confirmed is Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo. Yeah. Hopefully, they make that announcement soon because that card just becomes crazy with I that. I have a feeling they're going to announce it this weekend yeah. on the pay per view. You know, they like to. It, it seems like the UFC is moving in into that where they're announcing big fights um, mm. the night of pay-per-views. So I, I bet we get that announcement Saturday because like you mentioned, it's pretty much done, confirmed, you know, just both not guys, a date. Just haven't confirmed a date. I bet we get that date uh this yeah, because like right after the 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 them fighting is they both went on their social medias and yeah. talked about it. It's, it's sure. definitely happening. Sure. Um, the last thing I have is boxing. Um, today, as we're recording on Sunday, Jake Paul will be fighting Tommy Fury in yeah. Abu Dhabi. Uh, I think right now. Well, the card started at two. So. Yeah. Interesting enough, I don't know if you've seen. I don't know how. I mean, they, I know people make bets all the time, especially with Jake Paul. But the rumor, the little deal that they talked about is if Tommy Hearns wins, he gets double pay. And if he loses, he gets no pay. Well, I saw he like tried to 
like Jake Paul did an all or nothing and Fury yeah. said he would do or well uh the dad um what's their dad's uh, name? I can't remember. He said that they they would do it and then at the weigh in uh Jake said, Why wouldn't you sign the paper? Your dad said you won't sign the contract to do the all or nothing. Yeah. And then uh Fury wouldn't do it and then <laughs> Jake bean dipped him, bean dipped his nipple twice. Oh yeah, bean dipped, bean yeah, dipped. Dude, there's, and then he got pushed. Like there's no way you can let a man just bean dip you like oh, that. But, twice. But interesting enough though, and it's something we hadn't really talked about. Um, if Jake Paul wins this fight, he will be entering the ranking system for WBC. I saw that. So this could be a great big step for him. Or he, you know, he wins this and goes to fight KSI and I think some of these other guys. Do. There's no way he doesn't fight KSI. After but if he unless wants, like Nate Diaz, I saw he said he yeah. and Diaz have been talking, but like. I mean, there's just no bigger fight than KSI yeah. in terms of money. Right. So. Well, that's where you're going to find out after this. Is it money or I want to be a legit boxer? Because once you get a <laughs> ranking, you can start. And you're yeah. official boxer once you're it, in a it's ranking. It's money. So. It'll be money. But we'll see how that turns yeah. out. Also, just a side note on boxing. Uh, I think we might be seeing the end of the Mayweather exhibitions mattering. Uh, he boxed a UK like um, social media guy in the O2 arena. And with like two hours before the fight left, they were selling tickets for like six bucks because nobody showed. Yeah, who, I didn't even know about right. that. It's Floyd it's, Mayweather. I mean, he won, obviously, but it's just kind of crazy how like first this was this meal ticket that he was able to keep cashing over yeah, and over. I, I just don't think there's – I mean, who even knew? I mean, I think after that whole Jake Paul or Logan Paul stuff, it was just like, mm -hmm. what are we doing here? Well, and, you know, we've talked about like – uh, Jose Auto's team said that they've been in connection, which at this point now you can see it happen because he's pretty much exhibitioning yeah. anybody. So yeah, but that's all we got for the news. Alrighty, I got song of the week and in honor of the returning goat JBJ Johnny Bones Jones. We're going. God gave me style by Fifty Ooh, Cent. That's a classic off the Massacre album, baby. Love mm -mm -mm. it, John. What is your one for the people? Oh, my one for the people is uh, one of my shows that I'm really into. Snowfall came back. Um, and that's been really great and then last of us man it keeps on getting keeps on building up and i'm excited oh, dude, to see where like, it goes you didn't like last episode no it was like so like i'm getting so frustrated like okay that was episode six right yeah two of them have been met like last week and then i think it was like so i'll say four of them have been good uh -huh. but like last week i'm like it's so frustrating because i'm like okay this is like and maybe i'm like miss maybe like i went into it not really fully understanding but like this is a zombie movie. It's apocalypse. Like, give us something. Give mm -hmm. us zombies. Give us, like, more than just them, like, walking around. Like, Well, I thought they could have done that way worse because they did that kind of skip between the journey to getting to where they were at in that last episode. Yeah. Wait, you're talking about... Yeah, the last episode, the one before last week was good, the way it ended. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, kind of like that little side story almost. Right. Yeah, like, that's good. That's fine. Like, we can have that. But, like, last week is like, I don't care anymore. Like, I feel like we, we know who the two are. There's only two characters. Right. Let's go. Like, what are we yeah. waiting on? So... Like I said, I think this episode is supposed to be an hour, so maybe the one that's going to be tonight. So, well, I saw a zombie in the trailer for it, so yeah. there better be <laughs> there better be some zombies. Like, come on, you've you've got to show they've invented the coolest zombies, you know, probably ever in a zombie movie. They're Scariest, awesome, for sure. yeah, for sure. And like, we don't see them ever. Right. Like, they just walked halfway across the country and saw like four zombies. <laughs> like, right. come on, let's go. Uh, is that all you got? Yeah, okay, so got. I've actually got a couple this week, believe it or not. Uh, first one I got is a YouTube video I sent to you and Brandon this morning. You guys have got to check this out if you're listening and haven't seen it, but uh, there's a creator, his name's Mikey T, a YouTube creator, M-I-K-E-Y, and then just 
capital T, no space, all one word, I guess, Mikey Mm -hmm. T, and he snuck into UFC 284 and was actually able to find a way to walk out with Volk. Um, He uh, essentially made a fake UFC staff shirt, Mm -hmm. lanyard, uh, ID, everything, and just was, like, able to do, really go wherever he wanted. Mm -hmm. But, like, the shirt, the polo, the lanyard, it was all, like, iron-on. I mean, he really made it look legit, but it just makes you wonder, too, if the UFC will, like, change some stuff in the way, you know, because he was just able to replicate the badges, mm-hmm. the shirts, everything, like, so easily that, yeah. you know, and, and, like, something like that, the UFC will eventually get wind of. Yeah, it. you're showing people how to do it. Dude, he was literally, like, he was, like, he's, like, all right, I'm going to try to walk out with Volk, and he's just, like, walking down the walkout, like, ramp, and he's in the back, and he's, like, oh, there's Islam, and Islam's just, like, walking, like, doing his ring walk, <laughs> like, what is happening? I'm, I don't know if you remember. Somebody did that for the Connor yeah, uh, Floyd Yeah, another stuff. guy did it. Uh, he did it, yeah. Uh, for the Connor. His name was Simon yeah, Wilson, yeah. The Mayweather Connor stuff. Yeah, he snuck in. But this one is like the fact well, it's that. actual fight. I mean, this dude literally, he literally walked out with Volk. Crazy. It's like, <laughs> it's nuts. Imagine being able to tell that to your well, kids. Well, it's perfect too for a YouTuber because he was able to hold the camera and be like, yeah, I'm just media. Yeah. You know, and he out on a UFC, he got the Venom, fake Venom logo. Like, Jeez. it looked legit. Uh, so if, if you're a UFC fan, you got to check that out because I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, also, great day to be a Manchester United Red Devil as the Reds win the EFL Carabao Cup today. Uh, I became a fan of the team, I was telling John, in 2016. And honestly, uh, there has not been much to celebrate <laughs> since. Um, but our new man in charge, Eric Ten Hag, uh, has really brought some life back. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a step in the right direction. It's nothing like crazy, but, you know, anytime you win a, a cup or a championship, and, you know, it always feels good. So great day to be a Red. I uh, love it. We've seen it all. We've won them all. Did it without Ronaldo, man. Ole, 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 ole. Huh? And yeah. did it without Ronaldo. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, also, F1 Drive to Survive. New season on Netflix comes out, which excites me more because that means we're getting close to another racing season. Let's go. Did you see Netflix is going to do a quarterbacks one where they followed Pat Mahomes, Kirk Cousin, and somebody else all last season? No, I did not see that. Um, I'm excited for that. I did see there's a golf one. So it's from the same creators because like now everybody's trying to recreate Drive to Survive has had so much success and brought so many people to F1, um, myself included. I didn't even really know what Formula One was. Yeah, big F1 guy uh, until I watched this show and then it just kind of hooked me. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a new one. There was a tennis one that came out that I heard was pretty good. Now there's a golf one that I've heard is just like fantastic. Uh, So I think I'm going to get into that. I think it's called like Full Swing. Or something like mm. that. I think it's and I think it's on Netflix. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to be checking that out as well because I've heard nothing. I've heard if you're a Drive to Survive fan, you'll love the the mm. golf one, nice. and it kind of covers that whole live stuff and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But haven't got to watch Drive to Survive yet because I can't get out of Hogwarts. They're really tying me yeah. down. I got a lot of homework, <laughs> you know. I got to watch that uh, Love Is Blind reunion. I haven't got a chance to watch it yet. Love Is Blind with Raven and the. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've seen that. That Okay, yeah. yeah so. We haven't watched the reunion yet. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm trying to remember. I don't really remember how it ended, but it was it was okay. Yeah. Not my best. Not my favorite season. But that is it. That's all we got. So make sure you come back next week. UFC 285. Nathan might be crying. We never know. You never know. We're going to talk about it. Talk about it. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. So we'll see you guys then. Until next time, peace.